This is Box to Box Stoppage Time with Rob Gilbert and Derek Dyson. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. Absolutely fantastic! Hello. Hello and welcome to Box to Box Stoppage Time, our brand new podcast spun off from the main show because as we said last week, every week we get to the end of the show and we still got a heap more to talk about. Derek, uh, you've sent through a, a rundown of, uh, of uh, how you, you want to play this thing, mate, but uh, uh, I thought off the very top of it, we could start with a bit of a lighthearted note. Um, uh I sent an article around that we all saw that Todd Bowley, um, he's just starting to get a bit of credibility uh, in in the world of Premier League football and he floats the idea of uh, an all-star game to raise money. Um, how did you react to that, mate? Yeah, well, it was. It, this is my hot topic of the week. It has been around for a couple of days and, and has been getting some, some airtime. Um, I think my reaction initially was the same as most people's reaction, which was to to roll the eyes a bit and go, you know, this just uh, fulfills all of my expectations of the uh, of, a, of a, an American coming into uh, a soccer league and coming up with some fresh ideas in a kind of Ted Lasso way. Uh, I have been interested to listen to the re- reaction, the more considered reaction, as, as most people uh, will know me for. Uh, and a lot of it is sort of, trying to point that he's been quite clever about it. They think it's a bit of a smoke screen that he's thrown out something that he knew would get a little bit of press attention, which would also um, sort of deviate away from the fact that they've just spent a quarter of a billion dollars on players and then had to sack their manager. Um, and maybe it was just designed just to create a bit of air, a bit of breathing space for his for his for his new manager. Um, and there are others that have rushed to his defence to say, well, look, look, is it any worse an idea than the 39th game that was proposed uh, uh, a few years ago? Is it any worse than the Community Shield where the winners of the league and the FA Cup play for a trophy? Uh, you know, so look, probably, you know, I'm probably still quite mirthful about it, but at the same time, you know, may, may, maybe maybe it's worth some more consideration. And I think we're going to maybe take a lighthearted uh, look at it, um, look at it in this segment now. Well, I, I had a, um, an idea. I think um, you know we all love the the singing at uh, at um, English football, the Premier League games. But uh, but we could borrow a couple of other ideas from other sports. One I, I thought of was from golf. Um, we all love uh, when uh, when American golf fans uh, just cr- yell out in in the hole every time um, a, a, a golfer putts. You know, from twenty thirty. How about we get a, a group around the goals and, and they could all just yell out. When there's a, a, a like a free kick taken in the goal, maybe uh, we could introduce that to football. Yeah, cheerleading would be another good one as well. Half, I would fully expect a half-time show uh, being played by Bon Jovi or <laughs> someone similar for uh, for this game. I think I think one of the major issues, I think some of the Umbridge fans have taken in the Midlands, of course, is you know where do we play then? What is North and South? I mean, America. I don't know if they had the same problem when they cut America in half into uh, East and West. It seems to work in terms of the conference systems there for basketball and a, a few other sports. But like, where is the North and South? Do Villa go into the go into the North? You know, what happens if there are more teams in the Premier League in the North and South, or vice versa? Is the line constantly going to change? It's not going to be like a state of origin or a Barassi line that we can look at. It's going to be. Uh, 
probably quite flexible and there's probably people in Wolverhampton and uh, Villa and, and Leicester, Norwich, are they a southern team? They probably wouldn't see themselves as particularly southern, even though they're not in the league. But, you know, someone, you know, no doubt they'll be back next season and probably playing mm-hmm. in it. So, um, yeah, look, I, I think there's probably quite a few problems with this with this format before we even start thinking about picking the teams. Oh, I've just got to say, looking to you two old fellas just moaning and groaning about someone's good idea. I tell you what, did we love the A-League All-Stars or what? Did we love that concept when they played Barcelona? Was that a good thing, Rob? I can see that it was. It was successful. Yeah. But this is Australia who desperately needs some attention this and would some be um, You've only got to look what happens in America with the All-Star, with, uh, with baseball and basketball. Those events rate... They, they rate five times bigger than the World Series in baseball for the baseball All-Stars and the same with the basketball. They rate massively. And um, if you're talking about ratings, it would be a good idea. Look, I know it's never going to happen because the players are worth too much money to get injured in a in a scratch match like that. But I've got to say, I'm just a little bit tantalised by the prospect of having a draft for North and South and playing, seeing all these players play, play with each other and in a free, uninhibited sort of environment where they're just, you know, going from end to end, uh, I, I think it would be good. I think it would be really, really good. Oh, I've got absolutely no interest in it, but I think you do sort of see the two sides there. I think uh, internally, Derek, if we consider you sort of internal to this sort of matter, uh, probably no interest and, you know, the, the sort of passion and the, the sort of regionalised, localised passion towards you know, their, their club and their, their town is strong enough in England that to sort of pot each other into North and South would not be a particular interest. But I think globally, as Michael says, you couldn't deny that there would be enormous interest uh, tapping into a few of those concepts that do, rightly or wrongly. As I say, I'm probably more on, on the on the non-interest side of things. But those those concepts, they do work in other sports around the world. Yeah, I, I, have, I have no interest in watching whether Harry Kane can link up with... Jesus, in fact, that you know, I do not. I, I don't want them sharing the same changing room. I don't want them hugging each other after a goal. I just want to vomit after that. I, I don't. I don't think. And I don't think the Liverpool and City fans are going to be really happy when Mo Salah and uh, you know uh, Harland are embracing in a, in a Viking hug to celebrate a beautiful goal. I don't think. I don't think it takes into account just the the, the tribalism. Uh, tribalism that exists around around the UK, and I I certainly do not want to be in a position where I have to follow. Uh, you know, I'd be following the North because I just don't think I could follow the South team if it had <laughs> uh, if it had uh, Chelsea or, or uh, Tottenham players in it. I was going to float State of Origin, but then I realised that Ed Shew and Willamba are heading to the Ultimate State of Origin in a couple of months' time. So we've already got that. All right. Okay. Is that enough on that? We, I think we've we've uh, we've covered that one to death. Uh, um, I'm not sure that we're going to be seeing it any time in the the near future. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, look, we've got a moment of the week that um, I think is is going to be argued pretty ferociously. You lead us off, Derek. Yeah, I could have picked a few here, um, and I, I'm expecting a good debate for 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 moment of the week. But I've gone for one which is close to my heart. I suppose it has it has a link to uh, to uh, where I came from and where I grew up. And 
uh, eagle-eyed uh, football fans that listen to Box to Box will have seen that a score sheet popped up uh, on uh, a name on the popped up on the score sheet recently for Manchester United women, and the surname was Letitia. And you know, you don't have to be too much of a football fan really to know that that is a an iconic name, certainly in in Premier League and and men's football and when I saw that name I thought I've got to got to know more about this and it was actually two goals for new Manchester United defender Maya uh, Letitia on her debut uh, Man- Manchester United comfortably beating beating Reading in their opener in the Women's Super League it was a great opening round of the Women's Super League the Chelsea uh, shock loss for them over over um, with Liverpool, for example, but this was what drew drew to me. She's a centre back. She scored two goals, and she's joined from Brighton um, to to play for Manchester United, who are a coming force in 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 women's uh, football uh, in in the UK. And yes, she is from the island of Guernsey, and that is where I spent ages thirteen to eighteen, my development years on the island of Guernsey. Sixty thousand people clinging to a rock in the middle of the English Channel, and we're very proud of the fact that Matthew Letizia, a uh, Guernseyman born and bred, was uh, was uh, he wasn't. He may well have been at the twilight of his career, but certainly well thought of there in Guernsey. Letizia, just so you know, gents, is like Smith. Uh, you open up a Guernsey phone book, and there are tons and tons and tons of Letizias. So they're not related, although. They do, uh, the families do know each other because it is a pretty small pond down there uh, in in the Channel Islands. So I just wanted to call out uh, Maya Letizia. You know, not many people leave the rock, as people call it, and, and head over to the mainland to play football and uh, do their thing. And uh, what a great moment for her. What about you, Willem? Are you going to make a contribution here? This is for the moment of the week. Yeah, I think I want to bring Monza into the spotlight from over in Italy. I think most people think of Monza in a sporting context and they think of the Temple of Speed racetrack. Uh, but the, the football side are in the top flight for the first time. They were formed in 1912, so they've waited 110 years uh, for uh, for their chance to play in the uh, in the Italian top flight. Uh, there's been plenty of mergers along the journey to stay alive. Pro Italia and Pro Monza first forced uh Merged first up. Uh, they almost reached the Serie A in 69 70, but fell short. Uh, they took in another club, GS Simenthal, in the 50s, which was tied to a food company. Uh, they dotted along, really. Their most famous player would probably be Patrice Evra, who played three games for them in 99 2000. And it's all turned since 2018 when Silvio Berlusconi, of course, the former Prime Minister of Italy, took over. Uh, they'd spent nine years in Serie C. They moved up to Serie B in 2020. And into Syria uh, this season, so they've had their first win on the weekend over no less than Juventus. Uh, they've become just the second side ever to have cracked their first Italian top flight win against Juve uh, since Catanzaro in 1972. Uh, my moment of the week is a negative one, and I wanted to call out Ange Postecoglou because um, I do, I do love what he's achieving at Celtic. But we saw something very ugly in the last 48 hours, which was um, the Celtic fans. Um, being extremely disrespectful during the minute silence for for the passing of Queen Elizabeth. And we saw uh, bigotry and politics take um, centre stage. Now, we know that Celtic and Rangers, in particular up in Scotland, they're both, uh, they're both um, definitely uh, convicted criminals of uh, being uh, bigots and, and nasty to, us, uh, to each other over the years. But I thought Ange Postacoglu left an opportunity 
past when he was asked about this in the press conference by not making a stronger stand and, and calling out the behaviour is not appropriate. Uh, he decided to say that he was a football coach and that he didn't want to enter the realm of those discussions. And I thought um, in today's uh, you know modern society, um, Ange could have had an impact on uh, that long-lasting uh, nastiness that exists between Celtic and Rangers. And I'm just a little disappointed that he didn't. And I just wanted to call that. That was my moment of the week. I was a bit disappointed and... Um, and obviously, um, um, I don't think it uh, reflects well on anyone. No, hundred percent agree, Edge. And it's uh, it's interesting for anyone listening. We, we haven't compared notes before uh, we've gone to air, and as as offended as a Celtic supporter because I grew up as a, as a young kid uh, uh, playing in in the green and white hoops uh, for my uh, my first uh, football team at rugby league. It was at the the time, but uh, we were trained by the nuns at the convent school that we went to at, uh, at St. Patrick's in Guildford. But uh, my moment of the week was actually uh, their Glasgow neighbours, uh, where Rangers um, gave the proverbial uh, bird to UEFA and, and went ahead and played uh, the national anthem, God Save the King, uh, that there was a, a wonderful um, moment silence with the Napoli uh, players uh, fully respecting the... Uh, An incredible the show of TIFO as well. Yeah. And that was where I was going as well, an incredible TIFO, which had uh, in the, in the colours of, of the Union Jack and, and the central piece was Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth. So as much as, uh, as Celtic... Uh, fans a small group of ultras we've got to concede because uh, you know like every football club uh, the vast majority of supporters are decent people and i do note edge that your point is made on Ange and uh, uh, as the leader of uh, or the coaching leader of the club that he should have said something and i agree there but uh, but at ibrox um, that celebration uh, of her majesty you know for obviously reasons you know we all know the partisan uh, sectarian um, the differences between both clubs but uh, but i think credit to, to rangers where it's due all right, that's the moment of the week. Um, what about the game of the week? Um, there's been a few candidates there now that we've uh, had nearly a full fixture played over the weekend. Yeah, there was quite a few to pick from, so hopefully there'll be there'll be more than just what I'm throwing into the into the pool. But um, I've gone for Fulham's win over Nottingham Forest. This was uh, uh, two teams that had come up, and obviously this was going to be a game that both teams would have circled as one that they would like to take the three points from. Obviously, Forrest have splashed the cash in order to to uh, bring themselves up to a position where they think they can compete in this league. Fulham less so, and it's actually Fulham leading into the game who were starting to equip themselves um, a bit better, uh, you know, make it very hard to beat, uh, you know, push, obviously, Liverpool two all in that opening game of the season, gave Arsenal a very good game uh, at the Emirates. Um, And it was Fulham that came out uh, victorious here, 3-2, with a three-goal burst in six minutes uh, to put them 3-1 up before Forrest uh, chipped in with a goal to make it uh, a little closer at the end. But, you know, Fulham are the team that we see as perennially a little flaky uh, when they come up to the Premier League, maybe like nice, attractive football, not quite a nice ground to go to for the away fan, but maybe not the the gritty um, gritty side that we're seeing now. And uh, Marco Silva, a manager that's had to reinvent himself a couple of times after some early success, has made this team solid. He's got this guy, Tim Ream, in the middle, the USA uh, player who's, been playing there for forever, and again, a player that was much derided didn't um, wasn't considered as 
Premier League standard a few years ago, and he looks like an absolute rock at the centre of that defence. So, you know, game of the week, absolutely. It was exciting stuff. Fulham will be absolutely delighted to have taken the three points and they're now in sixth place in the Premier League. A rarefied air indeed for them and for Forrest well they'll you know be looking at a lot of L's in the uh, in the column at the start of this season and they'll want their form to pick up pretty soon given the investment they've laid out Rob. Yeah and briefly for me I know we're going to talk a bit more about Leicester City um, in a moment but uh, credit's got to be given where it's due. I think this could easily have been the moment of the week with Song Yul Min's uh, uh, incredible 13 minute hat-trick uh, he was under all sorts of pressure one minute he's uh, uh, tying Mo Salah for the golden boot the next minute he can't buy a goal and he just blasts out off the bench and uh, and look, even if you don't like Spurs, and I know, Derek, in particular, you're no fan of uh, of your Cross City rivals, but uh, but you've got to love Song Yul Min. And we love Song. We yeah, love we him, Rob. We yeah. love him because he's Asian football's best player. We love Correct. Him. So so that was that was my uh, my uh, game of the week. What about yours, Edge? Well, I'm just going to go to something a little bit unique. Every now and again, I just whack on the when I'm so tired and I've worked enough and I can't do anything. I just whack on. Um, some football, uh, whichever part of the world I'm in. And I just caught a bit of some African Champions League and I just happened to be watching Simba SC play the Nyasa Big Bullets. And I just thought <laughs> that has to be... The game was pretty ordinary, by the way. Uh, Simba won the second league 2-0, 4-0 on aggregate. But Simba from Tanzania, the Nyasa Big Bullets uh, from Malawi. And um, but <laughs> were, the, um, say, were, were the bullets firing blanks, Edge? They were firing blanks. They were no good. Um, but who scored a double? Who scored a double for Simba? The White Lion? No, Moses. <laughs> Moses Fury. So, um, look, I just thought I had to mention that because could you get any two better names for African football clubs than Simba SC from Tanzania and Nyasa Big Bullets? That was my game of the week. No, I no, watched well all the 15 minutes of it. <laughs> and 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 I know Willem this, and I think even Derek this would have flown right over. He said, but uh, uh, that white lion reference for for people of edge and my vintage goes back to Simba the White Lion, a great it cartoon does. of our era, it doesn't? Does. So yeah. look it up on YouTube. What about you, Willem? I was going to say my uh, my Simba references are strictly limited at uh, at at the Lion King um, game of the week. I had a good look. It wasn't a great game. It was an interesting game. They had a look at Everton West Ham. Derek, what's gone wrong with West Ham? I know they're they're balancing European football as well, but David Moyes growing increasingly uh, increasingly frustrated on the touchline. He entered the pitch at one moment, went and played ball boy, cracked it in the presser. Journalists called him Moisey. He said, geez, mate, I think he said F and L. We're not really that close. Uh, they seem to be so up and down, West Ham. They seem to put a couple of good seasons together. Uh, but I guess as a club and as a budget, they're not big enough to handle frequent European football. And they're in the relegation zone seven games in. You know, this is a team that on paper, you know, has massively overachieved in terms of like what it's managed to do compared to some of the, you know, ma- much more moneyed uh, Premier League teams that they have to to go out and compete with and the standards there now are you know have been inflated by uh, this run that, that Moyes has spoken them on and a bit like uh, Icarus you know they've flown quite close to the sun and, and maybe they're, they're they're crashing back down to earth and and you also mentioned the Europa League or the Europa Conference League yeah that's the double-edged sword that's you know clubs like Arsenal 
Manchester United can cope with Europa League football. They don't want to be playing it, but they can cope with it because, you know, they can just chuck on 15-year-olds like Arsenal uh, have, have done in the last week and, and, and they'll be up to standard. Uh, West Ham, Leicester City had put in that category as well as another team that just are failing to regenerate and failing to sort of live, live up to their lofty expectations. But a quick word, Willem, for Frank Lampard. I think a lot of us at the start of the season... Uh, we're writing off Everton. Uh, they, you know, they kind of squeaked out of it um, by the skin of their teeth uh, last season. Lampard wasn't coming across as of uh, bringing or bringing a, something to the club. It all seemed quite flaky and tenuous, and yet Everton have started to turn that ship around now. And the reports are coming out that they're found a system. They're playing good football. Uh, Frank's very well liked by the the fans and, and the squad. So we'll keep an eye on Everton. I know it's a club that. Many Aussie fans have close to their heart because of the Tim Cahill connection, so we'll keep an eye on them too. And it had slipped my radar that Neil Morpe had made his way there, but he's a fantastic player. Awesome record at Brighton and scored a, a beautiful goal uh, linking up with Alex Iwobi. I mean, it's a decent front line. Damari Gray, Gordon's there as well. I think at times, Derek, though, I mean, that's not a, a forward line that you'd think would want to be playing in a lot of long balls. The one time they actually did put it on the ground, they did score the goal. So I'm not overly convinced from what, I'm saw, what I saw, uh, but on a more sort of trivial note, great to see Asmir Begovic in goal. That's a real throwback. Uh, of course, a Premier League goal scorer as well. Uh, I think he's 37 now and, uh, and kept them in the game and uh, he's 35 now and, and they won. He made five or six saves in the last half and yeah, got them three points. So yeah, good signs to see him there. Uh, of course, with Jordan Pickford battling injury. Yeah, like uh, Neil Mopay in particular, a good player. I always think it'd be a good name for a payday loans company as well. Mopay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what about the team of the week? Um, I, I think there's a, there's a pretty good nomination um, that uh, uh, we could all discuss. Gus, uh, who uh, happened to play Celtic uh, um, during the week. Yeah, I, I changed this one a few times. My lineup just changes. We're getting closer to this show. But Submarin got in at the last minute this morning. Very much one of the least fashionable teams. I mean, there are not that many fashionable teams in Scotland, but St Mirren are right down there as, as one of the least fashionable. The, the Buddies, the Saints, they're called. The Pandas in recent years. We've got three mas- three mascots who are pandas because of their famous black and white stripes. They're in the Glasgow area, but of course are dwarfed by uh, their two more illustrious uh, city partners who we've we've mentioned in the show. But um, Celtic were on an and were on a tremendous three hundred and sixty four day unbeaten um, uh, run, uh, and also they had started the league with a hundred percent. Record winning every game so far, and Mark O'Hara put uh, a goal in for the Saints. And Celtic did not look at, at the races. And as uh, Edge said, uh, rather subdued. Postacoglu turned up there and didn't didn't, didn't show uh, give him credit in that post match press conference. What it what it does do is it brings Rangers just a bit closer and back into things. After you know we were almost calling the title for Celtic after the old firm a couple of weeks ago. And you know with with uh, stoppage time, gents, I'm always going to be looking for the new teams and maybe trying to educate some of our listeners along the way. So next time you're looking at those weekend results, have a look at St Mirren, the Pandas, the Buddies, the Saints, and they did a good job against Celtic. 
And well done to the two Aussies in the side as well, Ryan Strain, who teed up that first goal from O'Hara and Keanu Backus, both of whom are uncapped for the Socceroos, but are both in the 31-man squad that is currently in Brisbane. So certainly in the reckoning for the World Cup. You've got to love any team that uh, is known as the Panthers. Um, they, uh, uh, well, they, they might not be the most cuddly um, bear in na- nature, but um, but they sort of look like it, don't they? Um, and look, we, we I know um, if you want to listen to, to more of uh, Rob Tanner, uh, tune in to our earlier uh, episode during the week on, on the Box to Box main show where we talk, did talk to Rob Tanner about Leicester City. But but for anyone who's missed that, um, you know, Brendan Rogers does seem broken man as we, as we wrap this up. Uh, um, and um, yeah, uh, he, he he seems to to be almost like asking to be sacked, but but he doesn't want to resign. Looks that way, doesn't it, Rob? Can I have a big shout out? I didn't get a team of the week. I just want a, a massive shout out to, to Union Berlin, who top mm-hmm. the table in the Bundesliga after seven rounds. They're sitting two points clear. And what about uh, our friends Bayern Munich? Uh, they're five points off the pace. So maybe life after Lewandowski is not so good. Derek, what do you reckon about that? Union Berlin, great football club in Germany, one of the real icons of, uh, you know, the, the beautiful stadium in the in the heart of Berlin, in the old part of Berlin. It's a it's a fantastic club and they're top of the table. And um, is Bayern missing Lewandowski? Well, uh, you know, they certainly did for half a game against uh, Juventus, uh, sorry, against uh Barcelona until they came good. I, you're right. It's good to see a, a Berlin team, not the one we would have expected at the top of Bundesliga, but Hertha are uh, miles off the pace. I'm not even sure if they're in Bundesliga at the moment. So Union Berlin certainly doing them proud. And as we've spoken to um, and, and spoken about on the show many times, Bundesliga has a lot of teams up there at the moment, whether it be, uh, be Freiburg, Frankfurt, uh, Union and others who are making that league just a little bit more interesting. Uh, Bayern are still very much at the races, though. Uh, I, I see that they will they will be motoring along at, at some point soon, but, yeah, giving us some interest. And life post-Levengodowski, maybe not as easy as they thought. All right, boys, let's wrap it up there. Um, if you uh, have not heard the full show of Box to Box that dropped earlier in the week, please make sure you tune in. You'll get uh, a great chat with our good mate Rob Tanner where we expand more on Leicester City. Um, we also talk to Marco Monverde uh, about the um, Australia v New Zealand matches, which, as you listen, uh, the uh, the first of them might have already played. The second might have already played, depending on when you listen. But make sure you subscribe to Box to Box wherever you get your podcasts, including Stoppage Time and Offside, where this week, we talked to Captain Socceroo himself, a great conversation with Paul Wade, a real good friend of the show. Uh, tweet us at box to box nts and follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. And make sure you do join us throughout the week when we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.